AgriTalk is brought to you by Full Scale from Helena. Grow Strong returns this season with breakthrough foliar nutrition from Full Scale at Reproduction. And by Propane. Propane is the energy for everyone, especially farmers. Environmentally friendly propane can fuel most anything on the farm. See how at propane.com. Wheat futures did not want to participate in the rally, but sellers left the market after mid-morning and prices responded with a high-range close. Beans traded higher throughout the session and corn solidified yesterday's rally with a high-range close as well. The cattle complex did not like the rally in corn and hogs saw very quiet trade while cotton futures decided today was a good day to trade limit up. Live from Back Hair Vember via Farm Journal broadcast, this oh. is AgriTalk. This afternoon, we'll talk with Luke Beckman from Central Valley Ag. And right after the news, Varsity Joe Vaklovic from Standard Grain. I'm Handsome Newsman Davis Michelson. Now, welcome the host of AgriTalk, Chip Flory. You know, if you're going to keep talking about it, I want to make sure that you are completely committed to this back hair thing. All right. Okay. Are I you committed? I can send a selfie. Would that help? Uh, kind of no, a before and after no, thing? I do not need a stake in the ground on this one. I will take your word for it. Well, I'm freshly waxed across <laughs> my uh, shoulders and down yeah. my spine. Yes. Okay. So uh, it, right. by the end of the month, the, the difference should be striking. Striking, right. Chip. Absolutely. I'm just you trying know, to do my part. I don't part. know. Maybe we should huh? do this. Should we yeah? do this? Are you going to do the no shave <laughs> November? No, I'm not. I got it. I got a thing at the end of November. Oh, uh, you know, oh, right? Yeah, I can't be walking yeah. into that with like this no. sort of weird, creepy hippie beard. Like, oh, I'm, I'm not shaving, man. Yeah. It's like, what? Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I mean, you know, no shave November means that. What do they call it? A neared, the old neck beard. Ooh, I'm sure that that is coming on strong. Yeah, yeah. yeah. See, then that gets caught in my zippers. We've talked about that before. It gets caught in my zippers, and then I get cranky. Nobody wants that. No, Cranky and hairy. Wow. Welcome to AgriTalk. I'm your host, Chip Flory. (laughs) It feels like it's falling a little bit off the rails already. We're going to pull it back right now. Right now. Yesterday was an impressive day. Uh Uh-huh. Up 50-some cents in wheat. Solid gains in corn, although off the highs, off the highs in beans. But still, I was I called it an impressive day for the last day of October. Mm-hmm. Today was really impressive with the way that the markets performed. Feels like they are gaining some traction chart-wise. Uh, there are some fundamental concerns that are coming into the marketplace that need to be accounted for. So we're going to talk a lot about that with Luke Beckman from Central Valley Ag today. Find out what's going on in the Western Corn Belt from Luke as well. Looking forward to that. Good deal. All right, buddy, let's get to the news. What do you got? Well, Chip, USDA yesterday afternoon delivered the lowest winter wheat crop condition ratings ever. And winter wheat futures started the session lower. But after gaining more than 50 cents on Monday, a slight setback to start today's session was not a surprise. What did surprise many was the ability of winter wheat futures led by the SRW market to push through and close above resistance at yesterday's high chart watchers, now targeting resistance layered around the 10-10 level in December hard red futures at just under 925 in December SRW. Traders also remain concerned about supplies out of the Black Sea for the global export wheat market. 
December hard red winter wheat futures 11 and one quarter cents higher, 990. December SRW wheat jumped 20 and one quarter, 902 and a half. December spring wheat closed at 989 and three quarters. That's up eight and one half cents today, Chip. Yeah, that's that December SRW contract, let's see, posted the highest close today since the day that the high was posted in the October high was posted back on October 10th. So big move today, opening up upside potential on the charts. USDA says 76% of the corn crop was harvested as of Sunday. That's up 15 points from the previous week and 12 points ahead of the five-year average. The unsettled situation surrounding exports from Ukraine are making traders hesitant on the sell side of the market. The lack of aggressive buying for corn exports has frustrated many corn market bulls, while the lack of harvest pressure has frustrated corn market bears. Corn for ethanol use in September of 39.4 million bushels was down 8.8% from August, 3.1% below September last year. December corn futures today, six and one quarter cents higher, six ninety seven and three quarters. March corn up five and three quarter cents to seven oh two and a half. July corn yeah. futures closed at six ninety five and a quarter up six cents, Chip. Demand is the big issue, I think. I think anyway. Um uh we'll talk about Luke coming up talk about that with Luke coming up here in just a little bit. Well, Chip, the bean market led the rally in grains today. The influence of chart based buying cannot be ignored. Fundamentally, traders pointed to reports that Brazilian truck drivers are protesting the results of Sunday's elections that saw Lula's return to the presidency. Reports indicate 300 federal highways were the site of protests, including Mato Grosso's BR-163. These protests have had, for now, Chip, very little impact on the availability of soybeans. USDA says 88% of the bean crop is harvested 10 points ahead of the five-year average pace. January beans 28 and one quarter cents higher, 1447 and three quarters. March beans up 26 and three quarters, 1454 and one quarter. July soybeans closed at 1463 and one half, up 25 and one quarter cents. Chip. These protests uh, by truckers in Brazil are going to have to last a lot longer to have an impact on availability. December cotton, 300 points higher, 75 cents. On the livestock side, December cattle were 52 and one half lower, 151.95. April live cattle slipped 20 cents, 158.87 and a half. And Jan dropped a buck, 25 to 178.20. And on the snout side, December lean hogs, 27 and one half cents higher, 85.20. April hogs, unchanged, 93.60. Chip Flory. All right, Davis, thank you so much. Let's bring in Joe Vaklovic, Standard Grain. Good afternoon, Joe. What's up, Chip? How are you? Well, I'm okay. I'm a little curious what you saw happening in the soy complex and the bean market in particular. What what did you make of today? Um, I think if you're buying beans because of the Brazil protest, that's probably the wrong move. Yeah. At least in at least in my view, I don't know if that's a reason that I would want to be long beans. Um, when beans rally independently like that, a lot of times there's Chinese demand around the yep. corner. Maybe that's something we should keep our eyes peeled for. I w- I wouldn't be surprised to see some flash sales or some better export activity or something like that. Yep. Yeah, boy, I'm right there with you, Joe. I don't like this talk about the Brazilian protests. It's number one, it's the wrong time of the year to be too concerned about it. Number two, I think they've got, it's, it's just the wrong time of the year to be too concerned about it. Okay. 
it's a nice start to the week for this wheat market as well. Good grief. Tried to back off this morning, but then came back and closed above yesterday's highs. That was a heck of a move. It's a market that's driven by speculation. I mean, U.S. wheat prices have no business really being at these levels based on the way the world's priced. But I think that speculators, whether it's large specs or small specs or funds or whoever, I mean, they see this as the way to trade the Black Sea situation. And that was wrong last time around when they when they bid wheat up to, you know, $13 in the spring. Then that turned out to be very wrong. I don't know if they'll be right this time around. It, it all just hinges on whatever the next headline is. Okay. Here's one that I haven't asked you for a very, very, very long time, Joe. You bullish or bearish the grains? Uh, what time frame? Uh, end of the year. Uh, uh, heavily biased toward neutral. <laughs> Sharply Sorry, steady. Buddy. Oh, Sorry, sharply buddy. St- <laughs> Thanks, Joe. We'll talk to you later, buddy. See ya. <laughs> All right, Joe Vaklovic. Standard Grain, Luke Beckman, Central Valley Ag, coming up next. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now, you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. In the morning, you're coffeeed up and you're thinking. In the afternoon, you've calmed down, but you're still thinking. We're here all day. Agritalk. I haven't calmed down at all. Chip, have you calmed down? I am not Dude, calm. I've, if I'm I would have up. calmed down from my state earlier today, yeah, I, there may not ever be another calming down for me. Well, that, you transferred it, it over. To my third of our shared half brain. <laughs> yeah. Well, good. You take care of it. I right? don't know about that. No, that I'm not is that your excited. responsibility ho, ho now. now. Ho now. This got out of hand. <laughs> Welcome back to AgriTalk. <laughs> I'm Chip. That's Davis. <laughs> Let's head over to Northeast Nebraska. Conversation with Luke Beckman from Central Valley Ag. That is in Elgin, Nebraska. Luke. Welcome back to AgriTalk. How are you, man? Hey, gentlemen, doing really well. Excited to be on. Thanks for having me. Glad that you are. Uh, did you get the kids all uh, trick-or-treated out? You know, Halloween is one of those unfortunate holidays of, you know, being a farmer as well, where it's a lot of, you know, mom pictures yeah. with the children doing the trick-or-treating and maybe a, 
a quick drive by the field for a quick picture and a piece of candy. So uh, I feel bad. It's one of those one of those tough holidays for uh, uh, the farmers, or at least it feels that way here. Yep, I hear you, man. I hear you. I I, uh, I can appreciate that much. How is harvest going for you? Well, it's going pretty quick, probably too quick. Uh, just dealing with smaller crops in the Western Corn Belt and really a pretty open look weather-wise. We had some moisture in spots last week that probably shut guys down for a few days, but by and large, I would say this is the most operators that we've had done and finished by Halloween, probably since 2012. So uh, whenever you're talking about 2012 and you're comparing uh, agronomics and crop sizes, that's generally not a good thing. Uh, but that's one of those comparisons that, uh, held true this year as well. Yeah. What, uh, you know, when we went through Northeast Nebraska, third week of August on the crop tour, there, there were many on the tour that were kind of shocked by what we saw in, in the dry land fields. Um, not a lot of it, just a lack of ears. Uh, the, the ears just never developed it, it. The dry land corn was pretty doggone tough in that area. Wasn't it? Certainly, uh, you know, just following the tour on social media and seeing some of the routes, you know, that the crew was drawing on the map. Uh, yeah, they went through some pretty tough areas coming out of South Dakota, uh, coming through Sioux city and working, you know, south and west towards Grand Island, uh, you went through some pretty tough stuff there in the northeast part of the state. I uh, would certainly say that's probably where some of the tougher crops are is in that northeast quadrant uh, between Sioux City and Fremont. Uh, pretty tough, tough areas over there. So we've seen some of that. A uh, lot of variability in dryland yields. Uh, you know, if you caught a small shower at the right time, that could have been the difference between uh, you know, pretty poor crops and, you know, something that you're probably impressed with uh, given the year that we had. So a lot of variability in dryland crops. Uh, irrigated production seems to be pretty good, uh, really good, actually, in, in cases where there was plenty of water and that was not a limiting factor. Uh, so irrigated yields, uh, I think guys are pretty, pretty happy with that on the corn side of things. Soybeans, even in the irrigated, I would say we're off just a little bit, uh, seems yeah. to be the general theme. Uh, there's, uh, you know, outliers in both cases, but, uh, by and large bean yields, probably a little more disappointing than corn from an irrigated standpoint. Uh, and then dry land, a lot of variability and, and of course, you know, just disappointed with the year we've had. Yeah. You know, it, it's just amazing to me that it, as we made our way into the end of the growing season and the crops were finishing up there, uh, adding on yield. I'm thinking to myself, boy, this isn't good for soybeans, but it can't be good for corn either. And the corn weighed heavy, didn't it? Irrigated corn, very heavy. I mean, we're seeing yeah. uh, really, really good quality. Uh, haven't haven't heard of of any a lot of toxin issues or anything. And we we yeah. typically avoid a lot of that here in the West, especially if it's irrigated. So, uh, yeah, you know, water is just a limiting factor. So if it if it was there, the crops have been exceptional. Uh, the thing about not having a lot of rain, Chip, is we didn't have a lot of bad storms either. Uh, so typically we're dealing with a fair amount of hailed acres, uh, and there was plenty of that early this year. Yep. But uh, once we got through June, we did seem to avoid a lot of green snap. 
which tends to be a problem too, uh, you know, in certain spots. So uh, the stands were pretty good this spring. It was dry. Things went in the ground really well. Uh, so the stands were there. And so again, if you had the water irrigated yields, you know, guys are feeling really good about those. How do you feel about USDA's estimate there for Nebraska? I feel like the soybean numbers. Yeah, no, I, I, you know, we'll get another look next week to see what they change, but really feel like their soybean numbers pretty close. Uh, Just all the analytics that, uh, you know, we do and just putting together local supply and demand balance sheets really feels like that bean number at 49 is pretty close. Uh, Corn, I believe they had Nebraska at a 172. That feels a little bit high yet. Uh, Maybe some room to come down and uh, you know, that's just the dryland acres, you know, just being an anchor, uh, even though irrigated yields are maybe better than what we thought they were going to be. Uh, you know, those dryland yields just, they just pull the average down a lot. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the Nebraska corn yields slipped from 176 in September to 172 in October. So we'll see if that trend continues. What are guys doing with the corn crop? A little bit of everything, actually, Chip. Uh, we, you know, we we're always talking about that with producers, especially as you know, guys are finishing up. We've we've seen a lot of different behavioral practices from the producer crowd. By and large, I think a lot of soybeans with the attractive cash prices um, didn't see a big behavior change there. A lot of those beans came to town. Uh, that tends to be the big cash crop for producers for cash flow purposes uh, here in our footprint, anyway. Uh, didn't see a lot of change there. I think the attractive, attractive cash levels and, you know, just their disdain for putting beans in a bin uh, yeah. caused them to bring them to town. And then uh, on the corn, a little bit of everything, you know, we, there's a lot of on-farm space here. We're in a highly competitive corn environment, uh, like a lot of places across the Midwest. So guys tend to store corn on farm um, and that's held true. But we are hearing some stories of producers, you know, just electing to bring some of that to market. Um, you know, basis values, as I'm as I'm sure listeners are well aware, are are really firm in the Western Corn Belt, uh, record high for this time of year. Uh, so with where the board's at, you know, producers can sell over seven dollar cash corn, and if you have a smaller bin that's inefficient and kind of a pain to to get it filled and to unload it. Uh, the weather's attractive now. Maybe you have the help around to move it. We are seeing some producers um, avoid putting grain in on-farm storage and actually just bringing it to market. Okay, okay. You know, as as you were talking about that, there, I was I was thinking about the 172 number for Nebraska. 172 for Nebraska the, after the growing season that you had, Luke. That's incredible. <laughs> it would be. That's why I feel like it's a little high yet. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Okay. Um the the river shutdown or the river disruptions that we've had. Mm-hmm. I know that that's a long ways to to feel the ripples, but are you feeling any of that over in in eastern Nebraska? Maybe not directly. It's a good question. Uh maybe not directly, but it certainly impacts uh you know the commercial system that's on the river. Uh, probably in Illinois, uh, that zone three area on the river can spread to markets that Nebraska will hit uh, on the rail side of things. And so you're really talking about uh, Texas, the Hereford market. Yeah. Um, you will see some shuttle corn from Illinois. They're actually a better spreader there. 
than portions of Nebraska. And so with the low water levels on the Mississippi, you're seeing uh, Hereford as a relevant market in Illinois. Um, and Nebraska just in general is a really expensive origin for corn this year, uh, given the given the crop issues and the, the short pipe coming in. And so absolutely, uh, we're, you know, we're seeing South Dakota corn come over the top of us going south. Uh, we're seeing corn from the eastern corn belt uh, make its way into Texas. So you're going to see some of those those flows happen just because Nebraska, which is the typical supplier, is just too expensive. And so we're corn deficit with, uh, you know, all the, the demand here, both from livestock and the, uh, the processors uh, needing to keep corn local. So, uh, yeah, you'll, you'll see corn from other parts of the country try to satisfy markets that typically Nebraska would be the supplier for. Yeah, your pipeline was was not full when the harvest started, and I doubt if there was enough harvested to, to fill it up and make anybody comfortable over there. That's why you've got the basis that you are dealing with. Okay, we're off and running. Conversation with Luke Beckman from Central Valley Ag. When we come back, Luke, let's just talk general market conditions, what you think is moving prices, what the, the trade is focused on, and, and what you are going to focus on in the months ahead. Luke Beckman, Central Valley Ag, right here on AgriTalk. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now, you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. Time now for news of note from ProFarmer. President Vladimir Putin said Russia will not end its participation in a deal to export Ukrainian grain through Black Sea ports, but rather is suspending it. The UN-led Coordination Center said three outbound vessels left Ukrainian ports by midday today after 12 departures and two arrivals yesterday. Protests by Brazilian Bolsonaro backers intensified. Over 300 federal highways blocked, including the so-called soybean highway. The U.S. hard red winter wheat crop starts the growing season at the lowest initial rating ever and the lowest on record for any week ahead of dormancy. China's smaller and privately owned factories contracted in October as COVID-19 restrictions slowed production and reduced demand. And the Federal Reserve is now paying out more in interest expenses than it earns in interest income. News of note is taken from the pages of ProFarmer. Try ProFarmer.com. Opinions expressed on AgriTalk do not necessarily reflect the views of Farm Journal Broadcasting, affiliate stations, or sponsors. You're listening to AgriTalk, where the conversation begins. Join us at 855-4-TALK-AG. 
Coyotes. Welcome back to AgriTalk. I'm Chip Flory. Glad that you are with us. Hey, send us a tweet. Hashtag AgriTalk out there on Twitter. You can send me an email anytime you want. Host at AgriTalk.com. We're in the middle of a conversation with Luke Beckman, Central Valley Ag out in Nebraska. Before we get back to Luke Davis, go ahead and recap where the market's closed. Chip, December HRW wheat futures were 11 and one quarter cents higher at 990. December soft red wheat jumped 20 and one quarter to 902 and one half. December corn futures six and one quarter cents higher at six ninety seven and three quarters. July corn futures closed at six ninety five and one quarter. That's up six cents. January soybean futures twenty eight and one quarter cents higher fourteen forty seven and three quarters. July soybeans closed at fourteen sixty three and a half, up twenty five and one quarter cents. December cotton three hundred points higher seventy five cents. December fat cattle fifty two and a half lower one fifty one ninety five. January feeder futures dropped a buck twenty-five to one seventy-eight twenty. And December lean hogs twenty-seven and one half cents higher today to close at eighty-five and twenty. That's your quick market recap. Back over to you, Chip. All right, thank you very much, Davis. Luke Beckman, Central Valley Ag out in Elgin, Nebraska, is our guest today. Luke, before we get to just the general markets, there was one other thing that I wanted to ask you about because the the corn for ethanol numbers didn't come back great for September. Uh, the 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 market for ethanol in your area, well, for corn for ethanol, how's it holding up? Are are, are the plants doing okay? They're they're running now. Uh, haven't haven't heard anything about any serious shutdowns. Like we had some plants running a little bit slower than nameplate uh, as we were, you know, coming through that September period kind of bridging the gap between old and new crop. Uh, we've heard of plants in, you know, you have to go west of us, western Nebraska, uh, that are in a, a tougher spot. You know, the the basis values are pretty extreme in those parts, uh, really in just a, a corn deficit area, especially this year. So uh, I think if you see some processors slowing down, it's certainly going to happen to the west of us first, um, you know, in some of your more inefficient plants. But uh, I think for the balance of Q4 here to finish out 2022, uh, you know, margins are good enough in the spot environment, just looking at, uh, you know, a spot crush margin that um, they're going to be okay to finish out this calendar year. I think the question is going to be, how does Q1 shape up uh, yeah. as they start putting things together? And um, I think that's going to determine, you know, their appetite, you know, as we turn the calendar over to January. Okay. All right. Good stuff. Good stuff. Uh, tell me about what you are watching most closely in the grain markets right now. Well, Chip, I think we're always trying to figure out what's the next big move. What What's coming down the pike that we're not thinking about? And, you know, all the talking points now, you know, we had the Ukraine-Russia news over the weekend. And it's almost like the boy who cried wolf on that thing. I mean, I, I don't know if the market's just kind of getting tired of it. We see these these little flashes higher, you know, when the headline breaks um, and then we kind of fade the news because we've just been talking about it, you know, for nine months. Yeah. Um, so what's the new, what's the new input, you know, that's going to drive these markets higher. Corn's been trading sideways for two months. Uh, we're kind of on the upper end of the range here. So can we break out? Can we go fill that gap at seven and a quarter on the December before that futures contract expires? 
Um, those are the questions. So what's the next dollar move? Is it up or is it down for both commodities? I think, uh, you know, one of the under, one of the, the things that supports, you know, our conversation is just what's going on in the macro space. You know, we've got the Fed meeting this week, interest rates, yep. you know, are expected to go up again this week. Um, and I think, you know, long-term that's, that's just a little bit problematic, you know, for the commodity story. I think you're starting to see some consumer um, demand uh, warning signs, maybe, you know, you're seeing credit okay. card debt increase, you're seeing uh, uh, car inventory swelling a little bit, you know, car prices uh, coming down. So are we starting to see, you know, the impacts of higher interest rates hit the consumer? You know, ultimately, they're at the end of the transaction string. When you think about, uh, you know, the farm gate all the way to the other end of the pipe, and that's that's the consumer, that's the grocery store yeah. shelves. Yeah. Uh, that's that's gasoline going in the car. So um, I think it takes a while for that story to unfold. Um, so I think that's that continues to be a big deal. You know, I think you know we've we've been talking about that for a while, but eventually, um, you know, these higher interest rates sh should slow things down. Yeah. So that story bears watching. The other thing is, you know, our our balance sheet is tight enough this year that we do have to ration demand somewhere. Uh, we are going to have to cut demand, and price is going to have to stay high enough to do that. Um, but eventually, if we're going to start peeling demand lower, how does that set the stage for the 2023-24 uh, crop year? You know, if, if we're going to start to weaken demand or maybe change uh, how the livestock guy is doing things, those are some longer changes that, you know, we can't just immediately respond uh, when the crop shows up again. So if they're making some intermediate term to longer term decisions based on 750, you know, cash corn, um, do we have a little bit of a hangover from that as we go into 23, 24? Um, so, so I think this 22, 23 balance sheet is set up really well for corn and soybeans. We're going to have some great opportunities for our producers in the Western corn belt here locally. You know, they're seeing basis values they haven't seen in a long time, at least for this time of year. Um, so this, this marketing year feels really positive. I think 23, 24 is where things are going to get a little bit more okay. interesting. Okay. Uh, you know, go ahead, go ahead. Well, yeah, you're just dealing with, you know, record high input prices, um, you know, just fertility. Uh, you know, we put break evens together for producers as we're having conversations. And on irrigated corn in 23-24, producers are probably going to spend over $400 an acre um, for, you know, their fertility package if they're, you know, if they're giving giving it everything they need and they're shooting for, you know, 250 to 300 bushel irrigated corn. That's a big number. <laughs> Holy smokes, is it ever? Yeah. Excuse me. Yeah, that's you no, know, that is a big number, and it's one that people have got to keep in mind as we're trying to figure out what the plans are going to be for next year. Because you know, total corn and soybean acreage for 2022 came in below expectations. Yeah, there were some weather problems, but dang, you should have got out there and got. I would have thought that there was enough incentive from the marketplace to go out there and get some late plantings in somewhere with something. The, yeah, that would. <clears throat> this got, year, I, I don't. I don't know if that's going to happen because of the input costs. Well, I think it's going to be a. It's going to deter folks for sure. Uh, it, it's a hurdle you're going to have to overcome. And in the Western Corn Belt, the other thing we have to think about is, you know. It, the dry land acre is a totally different thought process from the irrigated acre because you're dealing with a depleted soil profile. 
you know, you just harvested a disappointing crop. Uh, phosphate's a thousand dollars a ton. Nitrogen's a dollar a pound. Um, so I think those producers probably go into the year a little bit skittish about, you know, really giving that acre everything it needs. If water's your limiting factor, why am I going to go, you know, put all that fertilizer out there up front? So yeah. I th- produ- producers are going to be pretty cautious, I think, going into the planting season and depending how weather looks, you know, the first 60 days of that crop life, they'll, you know, they may supplement it uh, depending on how things are shaping up. But yeah, I, I think folks are going to be cautious where it's been dry uh, because these input prices and interest rates, um, you know, are the highest we've seen in in case of inputs ever, maybe, and in, in interest rates in quite a while. Yeah. It's fascinating markets that we are dealing with, no question about it. And you've a couple of times you've talked about, you know, where the investment dollar might go. It is there incentive for speculators to participate in the grain markets at these prices at this time of the year? If it's their best alternative to generate a return, I'm I'm sure they would would look at it. I think that's where you have to look at, look at the whole picture. You know, if you're a money manager in New York and you're looking for a return somewhere, you know, does ag have the story, uh, is the risk reward there versus their next best alternative? Um, that's probably above my pay grade, but I think the, you know, ag's, ag's always going to attract some level of managed money, you know, and we get the commitment of traders data every Friday. Yep. You know, we can look at that, you know, for clues, you know, on what they're what they're doing. But, you know, position limits are large enough to where if they want to, uh, you know, enter the market or they have a large opinion one direction or another. I mean, they they carry a big stick. The the managed money side of the market, that's a trillion dollar business uh, when you're talking about managed money portfolios and agriculture is a billion dollar business when you're talking about, you know, hedging and just the commercial system that uses the CBOT to hedge exposure. So uh, (laughs) they're kind of a big deal when it comes (laughs) to providing liquidity to our marketplace. But also, you know, if they have an ax to grind or an opinion, uh, they can force markets higher than they should go. And they can force markets lower than they should go when we're talking about pure supply and demand fundamentals. Right, right. Real quickly, just got a message. Uh, someone wants to know if there's much interest in pricing 2023 crop corn in your area. Great question. Uh, absolutely. And we are encouraging producers to do that. Uh, there's been a fairly routine um, interest in locking in 2023 inputs. Uh, that conversation always starts in the summer. Yep. Producers lock that in. When they do that, we sure encourage them to sell grain against that to offset their risk and not expose themselves. Very good. Luke, it's always a really interesting, fun conversation with you. Thanks for making time for us, buddy. Chip Davis, thank you, gentlemen. Appreciate it. All right. That's Luke Beckman, Central Valley Ag. Davis and I will be right back. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, Timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. 
FullScale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about FullScale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now, you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. AgriTalk is brought to you by the Conservation at Work video series. Farmer to Farmer, the Conservation at Work video series features real stories, real successes, real quick. See what's possible at farmers.gov conservation. Thank you, beloved listener, for tuning in to AgriTalk this afternoon. Glad you are with us. Davis Michelson here with Chip Flory. Uh, just a little bit of housekeeping, Chip, because I don't know. Maybe I dozed off this morning. Uh, we were we were talking with Brett Griffin. Uh, oh yeah, it was actually a fascinating conversation. I would I would love to hear more from him. Uh, he's got uh, is it a podcast? Leading the field. Well, going? what's he got going there for a series. deal? A video series. A video series. series that that he is working on and. Uh, uh, with, with Farm Journal, for one thing. And mm-hmm. uh, Leading the Field with Brett Griffin is available on Farm Journal's YouTube page. Okay. The Did I say YouTube or YouTube? I feel I like I went a little... Off U- again. I, I, no I, feel, I feel like I went a little towards an Irish band there for a second. Oh, YouTube! Uh, okay. No, I think it's YouTube page. The I don't think anybody episodes- was going to go to YouTube YouTube's page and look for that, by the way. <laughs> Pretty sure. <laughs> Uh, the first three episodes are currently available. There are four more episodes coming in November. Now, guys, when we talked with Brett about this this morning, it might sound like it is a show uh, just for consumers. Okay? And it is for consumers, but farmers, mm-hmm. ranchers, you need to check out these reports. It's part of farmers and ranchers telling the stories that need to be told to connect and to provide that connection that consumers want. See how it's done. Yeah. Brett's doing a great job of it. Uh, Farm Journal is, is helping out, but it, it's a spectacular effort out there. A uh, total of seven episodes, three available, four more coming this month. Go to Farm Journal's YouTube page to check them out. Leading the field with Brett Griffin. Dude's got personality. And for you <laughs> fans of the uh, the uh, circular driving sport yeah, ball. Turn left. Uh, dude, dude, is he still? Is he active? Is he a spotter or was a oh, yeah. spotter? Oh, he's absolutely. He's, yeah, he's, he, he was spotting. He was spotting this weekend when Ross Chastain pulled just the craziest move I mm-hmm. think anybody has ever seen on a racetrack. Yeah. And yeah. it worked. Yeah. Check him out on the Farm Journal YouTube channel. Um, Luke Beckman, Central Valley Ag, you asked him. Now, I want you to help me think through something here, okay? Okay. Because I've got an idea, and maybe I'm just crazy. Maybe I'm completely insane. 
All right. Well, but well. it kind of came up. And I feel like when you said to Luke, what's the next big move? He was desperately trying not to say Black Swan, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> um, and yeah. whether that's the case or not, it the, it turned to fertilizer uh-huh. eventually. Talked about yep. fund money a little bit in there, but then wound up talking about fertilizer. Um, I've got an updated anhydrous ammonia chart that goes back yep. to 20, January of 2021, okay? Okay. Let me, just, let me just lay this out for you and see what Chip Flory thinks of this, okay? January 1, 2021, anhydrous ammonia, $491.59 uh, per ton, okay? Okay. 12 months into the future, January 1, 2022, 1478 bucks for that same ton of anhydrous ammonia. 1478 is more than 459. Yes. Yes. Yeah. 491. So we'll call 500 to okay. 1480, okay? That spread between the year over basically held up until yeah. you know, we got we got a little dip starting in July. We've clearly bottomed early in August. Okay, fine. This year, it's headed back higher. In 21, we hit October 1st, and it was off to the races, okay? And Hydrus peaked at, call it 1,500 again, to finish out the year. Okay. Right? Right now, this year, the current quote from USDA for Iowa and Illinois is 1397.67. Call it 1,400 bucks. Okay. Now, the very high of the year was right around that sort of for this year was right around 1600 bucks a ton now if we're gonna if we're gonna post the same spread given that this year has tracked year over and kept that spread really consistent for most of the year okay is is there a possibility that anhydrous tries to regain that spread over a year ago in other words Roughly a thousand dollars over a year ago. So then we end the year at twenty four hundred dollars per short ton. Mm. I don't think there's any way that no. being the case. I, I feel like I that sixteen hundred dollar print that we got in June mm-hmm. marks some kind of resistance of some sort. Sure, that makes sense to me. Is that a thing? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. There's there's support and resistance in the cash market, the same as there is in the futures market. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. In in other words, it, what that sixteen hundred dollar level may have identified was the spot where they're just not willing to buy. Mm-hmm. That it just shuts off demand. That's kind of what and, I'm thinking too. Yeah, and you know, if if you're looking for a reason that we are going to see these elevated prices for some time on the input side, just look at the D's twenty three corn futures. You want to talk about a market that has been trading between six and six and a quarter, while even spiking above that. Uh, for a period of time back, well, late last month, um, just the ability of these 23 corn features to hang in that 630 range, I think, is is really something impressive. Something else from the conversation with Luke? Yeah. He talked about the extreme basis areas yes. out there. Yep. Those, those spots, you've got to watch those areas. What happens in those areas because if it gets to the point that the feed yard decides mm-hmm. that's it, um, throw their hands in the air, and they turn their supplies over to ethanol, 
that will signal the end of a of mm-hmm. of a long term trend. <laughs> Conversely, what I would expect more is that the ethanol guys would throw their hands in the air and turn their supplies over to the feedyard guides. But it's the reallocation of bushels that mm-hmm. often signals, hey, this stage of the market is over. Yeah. Thanks for listening today. Appreciate it. Wow, that was fun. That was fun. A uh, whole lot of fun. Come back tomorrow morning. We got Jim Mintert, and then we got a farmer forum with Tim from Nebraska, Brad from Minnesota, right here on Agritalk. Talk.